Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi everybody, um, Edith here. Um, listen, Ben and I here at Soundtracking just wanted to wish you well. Hope that you're all safe and well and looking after each other and your loved ones. And just to say that over the next coming weeks and months possibly, uh, we want to try as much as possible and bring you a weekly episode of Soundtracking so that, well, slightly selfishly, so that we have something to take our mind off things, but also hopefully something for you guys to enjoy as well. And where we had a number of guests lined up over the next couple of weeks for various new releases, obviously that's kind of gone out the window because releases have gone back. But what I have done is reached out to a number of people to see if they would be up for coming on and recording a remote chat. So I've had a ridiculous amount of response and positive response from people. So this is amazing news. Thank you so much to everybody. So very much looking forward to um, catching up at some point with the likes of Isabel Waller-Bridge. Alexandra Desplat, Riz Ahmed, Warren Ellis, um, who very kindly uh, agreed to chat at some point. So we'll try as much as we can to to keep bringing you uh, the podcast every week. And if nothing else, it may well give you a, an option and su- suggestions of things that you can watch to help pass the time at home as we find ourselves in this crazy situation. And our guest on the latest episode of Soundtracking that we recorded a few weeks ago is an Australian composer who has worked for a wide range of critically acclaimed directors, including Ridley Scott. Jed Curzel's latest project is the brilliant True History of the Kelly Gang, which sees him continue his long-standing partnership with brother Justin, a previous interviewee on this show. The pair worked together on Snowtown, Macbeth and Assassin's Creed, while Jed also provided the score for Jennifer Kent's The Fantastic Babadook and John McLean's Brilliant Slow West and Sir Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant, of which plenty more shortly. First, a word from our friends at The Economist. Now, our world is a volatile place at the moment, so now more than ever, I'm definitely looking for intelligent, insightful news that I can trust. Whether it's the pressing and frightening matter of the coronavirus, politics, science, tech or the environment, I want to sift through the noise and get to the facts. The Economist does just that and plenty more besides. For instance, I was taken by an article about how live action remakes of animated classics are big business for Disney at the moment, not least because we featured several on this podcast, including Beauty and the Beast, Lion King and Aladdin. Indeed, Beauty and the Beast became the highest grossing film of its genre within days of release, earning a staggering $1.2 billion at the box office against a budget of $300 million. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces changing your world. Get your free copy of The Economist now. Just text SOUND to 78070. That's SOUND to 78070. And so to Jed and his score for the true history of the Kelly Gang. Now, while the film is basically an Antipodean Western, Jed was keen to avoid the cliches of the genre, as evidenced by this cue, The Dress.
Jed, thank you so much for coming and doing our podcast soundtracking. You've scored some of our favourite f- films, my favourite films, Slow West being one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, which we'll get to in a minute. Okay. Um, but I want to talk about the true story of Kelly Gang, which I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, excellent. And I loved the journey that the music had along with the characters. Yeah. And I wanted to ask if that was one of the conversations you had with Justin about that in terms of the purpose of the music, because it's, it's quite sparse. Yeah. But when it's there, it's, it's got a real purpose. I think the landscape played a really big role in, in the score. Um, and I mean, I kind of, I think exactly what you said there, that it's kind of sparse, but it's there. And when you really kind of feel it, it's there. And I kind mm. of, that to me is what the Australian landscape is like. It kind of, it's so big and imposing and expansive, but it's also kind of waits in hiding kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, Predatory. Yeah. It's unforgiving. And if you kind of mess up that, <laughs> yeah. you know about it. That played a, a huge part in, in how we approached it. I mean, I've been living away from Australia for the last five yeah. years, so it's been really interesting seeing it, picking on, up details about the place that would have passed me by in the past. Was it memories or did you go back or did you... Uh, did you? I, I'd been back three years prior to that. I was in visiting a friend who lives in an Aboriginal community in the Alice Springs mm-hmm. and... I started seeing the place just so differently and and really noticing the landscape and noticing, I guess, the space, but also just how, I don't know, Australia to me is like this landscape of sort of line drawings, you know, like kind of charcoal drawings mm-hmm. or something like that. And, and, and I'd never seen it like that before. I'd always seen it as this kind of dense, sort of gritty. Yeah. So I think I'd remembered that. And then, and then I think just as the footage came in, it was just... Um, incredibly inspiring inspiring and they also were shooting it in places that i hadn't seen before and particularly that region of victoria that had been burnt in the previous bushfires mm. it's otherworldly in a way in that you kind of watching it and go god where is that is that real is it yeah it's got an element of sci-fi to it weirdly in places as well it does. which is incredible it does it's an it is a quite it can be a quite an alien landscape but beautiful and, and kind of even though it looks can look terrifying. It's it really is it hypnotic in a way. It is hypnotic, and I, and I think there've been films in the past that have really exploited that. Like, I mean, one of my favourites is Picnic at Hanging Rock, and I think that does it beautifully. In that, it, it's almost like the landscape just swallows those guys <laughs> yeah. up at, at the end. Yeah, yeah. And and I kind of love watching. I mean, I kind of like like watching Australian films for that, where these kind of human stories are played out in amongst this landscape that feels at any time could just kind of wipe them all out completely. Yeah. Um, 
and it is such a landscape that we don't quite. I mean, we really, outside of the Aboriginal community, we don't understand it. You yeah. know, we have no well, understanding that of yeah, it. it's, it's connection and um, and also, I mean, the the other massive influence was was the was the wildlife as well. So. I know they had an intention of of turning a lot of that up. Where usually in Australian films they turn them down. You know, it's annoying to hear all those birds and everything else. So, um, yes, and I love, yeah, I love uh, the sound of Australian birds. I think they're amazing, and they were a huge influence on it as well. with Justin over such a you know a, a large number of films do you always get involved at a certain point or is each project different and what point were you did you start work on this no it's always at the same point it's I guess when he starts something because we're brothers we'll just talk about it anyway yeah. so I, I always kind of feel like we never really sit down and and have a, a specific so this is what I want. a specific <laughs> yeah. meeting about anything <laughs> yeah. it's always it's always we're kind of talking about something else and then and then the yeah. process sort of kind of kind of might might just spark something up, but yeah. So I think we kind of live with it from the beginning. So I kind of hear the trials and tribulations of the of the shoot and everything else as yeah. he's going, and then um, and then by the time I kind of get there, I I understand sort of where they're at, and and I think we we both sort of come from a, a perspective as well of letting the work sort of dictate where yeah. it wants to go, rather than us forcing anything on it. Mm-hmm. It's like. Just kind of keep it open and keep it free. And do you go on set? No, I don't. I I I haven't found it necessary. Just because I feel like it's the images that I'm responding to, and that's what everyone else is going to be responding to. Yeah. I mean, there have been, particularly with the Australian films he's done. If I if I I've known an area or had a relationship with it, then yeah, I'll. I mean, I I may think about going back. I think his first film, I I did go back. Um, it was funny because we had. We're at like episode 180 something now in the podcast. Right. And Justin was on episode 20. Oh, really? Yeah, which around Assassin's Creed time. Oh, wow. Which okay, was so amazing. That's, that's four years ago. Is it? Wow. Crikey. Yeah, yeah. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was really brilliant because we talked quite a lot about you and about how you used to play tennis. Yeah. And, and then how, how music then just became your, your thing. And if you don't mind me asking, I wanted to find out what it was that from music that kind of pulled you 
towards it's it if just, it was a specific thing or it's really strange i mean it's <laughs> that it was all i did in my childhood was play tennis and and had a kind of quite imposing father who who that's kind of what he wanted as well <laughs> yeah. um and all the while while i was doing this music was like the the refuge mm-hmm. and i i just loved it and and i spent most of my times with headphones on when i wasn't playing tennis yeah. and in Australia at that time, the only place, if you couldn't sort of afford records or things like that, we would, um, you, you could get cassette tapes from the library. Yeah. So I used to ride my bike to the library <laughs> and I would just, I would book everything that I, I could. <laughs> and it would be something that I liked because the tape cover looked great mm-hmm. or something else, or I might know one song or whatever. And I just discovered this library had the most incredible collection of music. And I, I just discovered. All this music and kind of I guess stuff. some tape. I mean, just early things like the Velvet Underground, and you know, I mean, like like going, going into that kind of. Uh, there's like a big eye opener, and yeah. and then that sort of I guess you start to find television, and then then you you go into there, and then suddenly you move on to classical music and film scores, and so it was like one after the other. I kind of, but I was only doing it. It was a very personal thing. I wasn't yeah. talking to people about it or. Um, and then and then I just I just stopped playing tennis because I was sick of it, and and I kind of. It was a bit of a, what's the worst kind of thing I could do? <laughs> like, Dad's got tennis over here. Yeah, what's over yeah, the other it's, side? It's it's to kind of <clears throat> not try and make yeah. it make it really obvious that I'm not trying, so that he kind of loses interest. And mm. and, and and it was you know it's because yeah, I actually did enjoy playing, but yeah. So I think once I finished that, I was sort of left with with music, and I just started teaching myself how to play. And wow. yeah, and then it kind of just spiraled out from there until I got to the point where I felt like I could do it in public (laughs) (laughs) take the headphones off yeah 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 and um (laughs) yeah and it just it was was just kind of one of those things where i was i was obsessed with it yeah can you remember any of the the soundtracks that really resonated with you through that time um i remember the cook the thief his wife that that one i remember that being a really a really kind of like whoa what's this And then also too around that time in Australia there was a, a TV channel that was mainly just international news and international films mm-hmm. um, and it was basically for I guess mainly pegged to immigrants and so so in the mornings you'd have Chinese news then Polish news and so everyone kind of oh, got wow. their own yeah and it was just one channel but on, on Fridays and Saturday Friday and Saturday nights they just played the most amazing, I mean, what, I guess what we would call over there foreign films, but through <laughs> watching this channel, I discovered you know, Marikani and, and, and not just the Westerns, but mostly the Italian Giallo mm. films, which 
I didn't even know there was a genre of this that existed, <laughs> but the thing that really stood out was was the music of these kind of strange horror films that were coming yeah. out of Italy. That's where I kind of got onto onto him as well, and then found the westerns and everything else through through that. experience for you though when you're comp- when you're writing music for as a band and if you're writing music to picture because it's such a wonderful kind of full circle in terms of you know Justin doing the videos for your band yeah. and stuff like that and yeah. then you coming on to score his film and then it's it's brilliant yeah I mean it's, the whole process is kind of I mean it, it really has been a very natural sort of mm. we've we've never had to push anything it's just kind of like it just sort of we feel like working with each other or, or we get together and do stuff, and when we were like that as kids as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, there's a there is a big difference between the two. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's a, it is quite a leap going from one to the other. But I think you you're kind of unrestricted in film in some ways because the the shackles are off. You're sort of yeah. you can you can you can go anywhere you want to within the limit of what the what the film wants, and that's that's kind of it. And the film will always say, "I don't want that," or "I want this." And, yeah. Well, he was he talked about Macbeth being an example of. You know, you having to go through a process of different types of scores almost for that until yeah. until that marriage of the two was right. Yeah, I I mean I scored that and then threw it away. Like I, mean, it was, <laughs> and, um, I hope we get to we get to hear that at some point. That's kind there's of, like know, one piece I think left in the film that is from there, and um, it's just one of those things. You know, the composer's cut. That's what we need. Yeah, that. that <laughs> Well, I mean, my description of what that score was like was that I, I remember it was kind of like, yeah, it was all right. And then and then I just sort of, it just dawned on me that it wasn't working. And, and Justin said to me, like, why don't you think it's working? And I said, it's like, you know, when like a there's an oil slick, you see those pictures of oil slicks and all the cormorants and the birds are just covered in oil and, they, and everything just looks really heavy and mm-hmm. it just looks oppressive. And I said, that. That's what this score That's what my score is. Wow. <laughs> I just felt You're like a harsh it was this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and he laughed and kind of went, all right, what are you doing about that? <laughs> Give me another. Yeah, yeah, well then, and then I kind of had these other ideas of maybe there was a way of, of using some of those things that I had there, but just not making it so sort of one thing. And then um, and I had other ideas about how, how I thought it should sound, but I just hadn't worked out how to get, mm. get there with it. And then I kind of, I, I started working with the LCO and we started sort of experimenting with different things and, yeah. and that started to lead 
So I, I think a lot of it too was like it was. It, I'd spent a lot of time in a room on my own, and it was it was time to kind of get out there and collaborate. And, you <laughs> you know. need some sunlight yeah. <laughs> and communication with people. Yeah. It's really interesting as well when you think about, you know, when films are, are put in those boxes of the genres that they sit with. And what I love about your scores is your scores don't sit in those boxes and mm. that you really almost kind of challenge the expectation of the score of a certain genre of music. I hope you take that as a compliment because it's meant as one. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, do, yeah, it's like the story of, of Kelly Gang is it's kind of a Western. It's yeah. kind of, you know, there's, but it's, but the score is is really quite indescribable because it does go on that journey and it does fulfil so many different things as well. Mm. against the sort of genre in a way, I guess. I, th I think so, a little bit, because I, I sometimes feel like if I'm <clears throat> doubling down on the what's yeah. in front of me, I, I, I kind of get bored or I don't feel like it's... I mean, it's just, I just don't feel like something's... That other thing that's not there yeah. is appearing, and I yeah, kind of yeah. feel like film music... There, there is something... When you're given the, the film without the music, there is something there that you're just not seeing yet, and it's like the music should be the thing that brings that out and whether that's an abstract idea or what but it's it's um i guess that's kind of what you're always going for and, and sometimes it's it just happens and then other times it's actually really really difficult and almost you kind of feel like that doesn't exist it's like the film just wants this this yeah. sort of yeah but i mean i i I've always try and head in that direction mm. first i think when you were thinking about instrumentation for this film was was that a conscious thing as well in terms of things that you wanted to use, things that you wanted to avoid, and how you would make those kind of traditional sounds sound different, I guess, as well? Yeah, I think I look at that, particularly that landscape and just the earth. I mean, it is obviously organic and kind of rustic, and I wanted those kind of instruments. But mm. but I I definitely, because of, because of the way the film was being approached, and yeah. it was like the way we sort of, 
I don't know, chew on the bones of history or something like that, that where we're, 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 there's a myth and then we kind of keep circling around it and circling around it until mm. it becomes something else. And in this modern day, it has become something else again, the myth of Ned Kelly. Yeah. And I kind of wanted the music to reflect that in a, in a modern, yeah. so it's got a modern sort of tinge Absolutely. to it, that something else is there that's not quite, it's traditional, but it's not. And again, also, it was the just just the landscape. I kind of felt like it should be integrated into the feeling of that landscape. So things are kind of earthy and feels like yeah could have been made with pieces of bark or or you know <laughs> yeah, some yeah, birds yeah. kind of squawking as yeah. well or that it- kind of thing. you say that about the the kind of contemporaryness of it because you kind of you're watching it and you kind of think you're watching a a film set now almost at times and then there'll be something that will remind you that oh no it's set you know whenever kind of thing as well it's really and the use of music is really good as well after that first kind of act where we enter man and that use of that track yeah as george is kind of i mean he george is phenomenal in this film yeah he's fantastic that kind of weird contortion of him bent over it's like bending your head working out hold on how's he doing that (laughs) it's like bloody hell even that but then also like that brilliant funny little um song that russell sings by the table you know yeah and all those kind of it's just wonderful little moments peppered throughout the entire film that involve music in different ways 
yeah, it's funny. I mean, it was interesting that they used he used those songs that George and the other actors had had written. I mean, they got together and and formed a band to <laughs> to basically create some camaraderie. I love that with that gang. And um, was that the idea, or Justin's? That idea? That was Justin's idea. So I mean, good. I think he'd been. I, I mean, I, I I remember him sort of saying to me is like when rolling bands and things like that is mm. that the camaraderie within a band and, and particularly after a show that kind of when everyone's sort of finished and standing yeah. around and he just said like you know there's an en- there was always an energy to that that was that was just unbeatable yeah you know and everyone kind of felt 20 foot tall and and, <laughs> and just kind of yeah and i remember him saying it's like if you could harness that like that's pretty much what what these kind of this gang is yeah is, is a gang of of boys who feel invincible. Mm-hmm. So um, having those songs in there, I guess going back round, um, having those songs in there, it, I guess it, it sort of influenced what I was doing as well because it, it, it kind of is grassroots sort of stuff and feels immediate as well. I yeah. mean, I, I never the, – the score was – the way we did it as well was was to never think too much about it, was to just kind of put it on and go, yep, that works, and, and it feels really good and – you know, massage it a little bit, but you know, instead of sort of sitting there and going, oh, and then this happens, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was none of that. Yeah, was... I want the music to make me feel this way, that way. It's yeah. kind of not manipula- manipulating you at all no. as an audience member. No, no, it's a feeling yeah. in there and a tone. It's funny because when I we we, we had, uh, spoke to Sam Riley about uh, uh, lots of things, and we talked about Control, the film we did with Anton yeah. Corbin, and he said that um, originally Anton was going to um, have them miming as as Joy Division, and then they all kind of talked amongst themselves, the actors, and they se- secretly started practicing right. and playing the songs, and then they went to Anton, "Can we show you something?" And then he was like. Oh, wicked! And then check that you know. Can we film this? And I kind of did that. I love that kind of organicness yeah. of collaboration. Yeah, and whilst the project's on the go as well, you know, it's absolutely and 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 I mean, just mirroring the relationships in the film as mm. well. Yeah, the, and and doing something, but also, I mean, that I can imagine how much fun that would have been. To, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just to start playing. Yeah. Um, can we talk about life outside the the brothers? Yeah, um, if that's all right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> when's John going to make another film? Because I mean, come on, he's he, he has one. Come on, that's I know, I know. It's, it's getting a bit like that. I, I know. I, I I feel the same way. But yeah, it's, um, he has an amazing script that um seems on and then off and on and then off. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure where it's at now, but yeah, Slow West was so good. Yeah, I mean, I loved I loved working on that film and and loved working with John. Um, 
and what made you want to do it? Well, I was heading. I was in Australia, and I was going coming over here to to do Macbeth and spend some time here. And then they seesaw called me. John and I had a meeting, and it was just great because because I mean I I'd done Snowtown. I think I'd done the Bob Dook and a couple of other things. And John was kind of like I. It's it's weird. It's like I don't know if the, you, you really are the right fit because it's like you've done all this sort of dark stuff. And he was going like, I want a melody. Like I want something I can kind of. And I had actually sort of been starved of doing that for quite a while. Just you know, wanted to like, be happy. Like, yeah, kind, kind of. But all, <laughs> also writing a song almost. You know, that that was kind of where he was coming from. So I felt really liberated. It was great. And then it, and it, within sort of three weeks, we had it. It wow. was really quick. Yeah. Well, that's all they'd sort of given me in between Macbeth to, to, to do it. like that pressure well i mean he started out i was like oh it's not gonna be much music and then and <laughs> <laughs> so it became a lot more pressure than what it was because you produce such good stuff it's like, I, need more. I was more. i I, lo- I really love doing it. and it came i mean the, the crux of it came over a particular two-day mm. period of writing that was like suddenly sort of like, well that's it and and john was great he would kind of come in and listen to things and go yeah, yeah great love it and walk out <laughs> and he just, I mean, coming from a musical background, yeah. I think he just knew and you both knew and nothing more needed to be kind of said. He just felt it and it felt great. So, yeah. Were you a um, fan of the beta band? Love the beta band. So They're that, the one yeah. band I want to reform. You know, well, when, I, everyone, everyone, I, when everyone does that thing of going, oh my God, after four, you know, it's like, oh God, every time it's like, please. Yeah. I, I, when, I I, Steve, I, see, when I see Steve Mason, I'm kind of like, come on. What does he say? <laughs> just goes mute. Right. <laughs> they're one of those bands that uh, yeah, they've all yeah, kind of gone a, off into their you know own little but oh, it'd be amazing at like Glastonbury or something one year it'd, have it'd be, be incredible it'd be incredible uh, and I mean that John I think John sort of all, they're always teasing mm. with, with you know there's exhibitions of oh, you know them archiving their archives of their work and stuff so um, uh, but yeah I was a fan anyway beforehand but also too this film arrived <laughs> And on my sort of what was the first time I watched it, and um, John had been editing it, and it was it was unreal. Like it was it was like kind of 
It was like a filmmaker who went, this this person knows exactly what they want to do. <laughs> it's like, but, and and I was, I mean, him coming from a background of collage and, and, and sort of self-taught. It comes from emotion then, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And it's, mm. it's total instinct. So, so it's like, yeah, there's some rough edges around the places. And if you didn't know he was like that, you're going, well, what is this? But <laughs> I remember just watching thing. It was amazing. It's like that, that someone had put this together and, and, you know, he was then got together with an edit, editor and they, they polished it up, but um, you know, it was one of those films that was like, this is just fantastic yeah. straight off the bat. Yeah. Did he have any temp music on it? I don't think he did. I can't remember. He might have had one or two things, but I can't remember what what they were. Where do you stand on the temp music? Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you ask do, do you ask this question That's, to, to other? No, but it's quite funny. Like, there's there's so many different responses. I don't ask it every time, but it always comes up mostly. So you have some composers who demand to see the film without temp music. Yeah. You get some directors who don't like using temp music. You get some yeah. directors who Love use it. temp music <laughs> and they go, just give me the same as this. Yeah. There's so many different camps to it. But yeah. You know, I want to hear from the composers on that side of thing more so than anything because well, it's just a difficult thing. I mean, it's like is that is that thing that bands have the demo demo artists? Yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, where they just can't. The demos always sound they they do the demos and everyone loves them. Yeah. And then the whole band goes into record, and they just never match the demos because everyone's been listening to the demos yeah. for six months, and that's kind of what this <laughs> is like. It's just someone is just editing with the same music over and over yeah. again and cannot hear anything else being over it. Yeah. Then so. There have been films, yeah, we've had temp and just kind of ignored it. And then there's been others sometimes kind of – I mean, it's weird because I sometimes get films that have my music over them temped. That's nice. Which is nice, but it's also kind of weird as well because it's like, <laughs> well, I've done that. <laughs> and I'm kind of doing it again, but that a little bit different. So that's that, – that, it's really flattering, but it's it's kind of – you know the process that, yeah. that you took to get to those those pieces of music, but um, I prefer it without, yeah. absolutely. M. Night Shyamalan had a great analogy to tape music where he described it as a bit like an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that you were almost trying to kind of replace every time. It was just, it was so funny. Yeah, oh, there's so nothing, good. but there's nothing worse than sitting in it, than, than making music that for a film that's had temp on it and you're sitting there with a the director in there they're listening to your piece over it and then they kind of finish that and go, can I just hear it with the temp again? <laughs> and this just can go on and on wow. and on. And it's, it's, it's like it's impossible to, yeah. to match that, yeah, you know, yeah, what, yeah. what's been there. Because yours is being listened to twice, whereas <laughs> theirs has been listened to 100 million times. So. When you come into something as well that has a kind of history to not the film as such, but something like Alien Covenant, which obviously has that history of the previous films that have gone before it and... Um, you know, Jerry Goldsmith's original score and yeah. all that kind of thing. But to come in and work on that, was there any talk of the previous films and, and what that relationship yeah. that had with this film? Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, when I watched the first cut, Jerry, the Goldsmith cues were there from the, at the beginning and it, and it was it was like, we're not moving on these ones. Like, they're, yeah. they're staying.
And I kind of liked, well, I did like the idea of, I liked how they were using it because instead of something like maybe Star Wars where they went, we want, we want Star Wars, but just a kind of different version of Star Wars. So we <laughs> yeah. still, when Darth Vader comes in, we still want to know that, you know, but just something a bit different, but with the same notes. Whereas, <laughs> whereas they were using this one as in like, here's Ridley's alien again. Here's yeah. the territory you're in. Yeah. Sit cool in your play. seats, feel comfortable. We're going to take you in, in, back into kind of Ridley's world. And then when they get to that next planet, so you, so everything's sort of familiar and, and you're kind of excited because you're hearing that music again. It's like, yeah. oh, we're back in the cinema. And it's kind of peppered peppered throughout that first quarter of the film. And then once they hit that planet, it's kind of like that was always the idea. It's like, well, off you go. You yeah. can, you know, they were always saying to me, that's that's when you can you can go for it. Yeah, so it, it became a, a, a conceptual idea that um, that that worked rather mm. than it being well, let's just kind of copy all the music. Do performances inspire you? Performances, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, and particularly Snowtown was a bit was a big that first film because a lot of those actors weren't actors. Mm. I was I just never got sick of watching them. I just thought they were unbelievable. And then Macbeth, I think, was another one that. It's just those two, yeah, and and I, I, I still watch Marion's out damn spot speech and that, and it's and just the way we all got there with that scene, and 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 I still think it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen.
yeah, you know, you're watching actors and, and kind of they're just making choices that you're, you're like, wow, you know, that's amazing. Did you even, you know, was that something that you'd thought of before or did it just happen at the moment? And I yeah. guess I, I think it's wonderful you're sort of seeing people sort of making mistakes and doing amazing things with those mistakes and scenes. And yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah. Are the bands still going? No, I just haven't had time. And- <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice position to be in. Uh, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to, but I mean, we, we'd live in different countries mm. as well. So um, you could support the beer band. We could if they. Yeah. Well, I have to. <laughs> well, by the time they get back together, John's film will get up. So <laughs> they won't be doing anything. <laughs> but when you're not scoring, are you still writing music? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. There's nothing better than being able to kind of create anything without mm. having any boundaries it's it's great and it's kind of there's no time frame or anything you can just and i think it just keeps ideas yeah. flowing and you never know there could be a project that comes up that you've actually been making something that feels really good for it or or come across an idea that's like oh okay that might be something i can yeah explore later on the babadook as well was an extraordinary film and in so many ways yeah. it was just brilliant how was that to to work on an approach and like a you know a pretty strong genre as well in terms of yeah you know there's a there's such with those types of films there's a there's an expectation isn't there particularly with a score yeah there is and that that film came out of a period where those films weren't being made yeah and i remember it was that film and it follows mm-hmm. were the two that kind of oh hello something else is happening mm-hmm. here and we're going back into the sort of psychological rosemary's baby kind yeah. of land but in saying that at that period if you're making a horror film, people people expect a saw or you know something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. a really like yeah. one of those. Yeah. So sort of, that's where horror was at that point. So those earlier screenings, test screenings, in that were really strange, you know, <laughs> where, where we were still working out sound and music and things like that because it was sort of like, is it a horror? Is it a thriller? Is it <laughs> is it a drama? And, <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's all of those things, yeah. but but um, you know, people coming out with sort of like, well, it's scary. I didn't jump or I didn't, you know, but we were kind of never thinking like that. Yeah. So we sort of always knew what we were I love that. going for. Yeah. So it was a lot of times sort of ignoring what people were saying of yeah. like, oh, can we have some more jump scares and things like that? And I was like, no, there's none of that going on <laughs> here. It's just yeah. this freaky kind of feeling through the whole film. Jen is just uh, such a wonderful person to work with yeah. and one of the funniest people I know. <laughs> and, I mean, in her films that are so quite – I mean, it's the same with Justin. They're quite dark and both of them 
have really great senses of humor. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just remember, I remember Jen would come round to my house in Australia and we'd listen to things and kind of just sort of laugh and um, <laughs> about things I'd done or whatever, or she'd have stories about how the film was going or whatever and just be quite self-deprecating and we'd just kind of <laughs> laugh about that. But again, it was kind of this really sort of organic process that yeah. we, we sort of came around to a particular sound and then got there at the end. And I mean, I remember that one particularly was that I had this studio space at the back of my house in Australia and I had a big gum tree that went over the top of it and I had a, a family of possums on that we would live in there and I'd be up late at night two o'clock in the morning and the possums would jump onto my roof and create like all kinds so then I'd get you know I'd get massive branches coming down and everything else. So it always just felt like someone was throwing kind of dead bodies on top of that. You were living yeah. And yeah. so then, then I would, um, then I started really noticing a lot of the sounds and I started kind of miking things up outside and, and kind of going, oh, maybe there's something in this. Or a lot of the time I'd, I'd finished doing something and I'd go and sit outside and turn it up really loud and just listen to it with every, again, this Australian landscape and, and its animals and everything else and I would just listen to the music with everything else going on as well and kind of find ideas out there like that and that's pretty much how that that score came about yeah Possums. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it oh, um thank you for your time I'm sorry about my crazy stupid voice um, right. but we got there <clears throat> in the end nearly um yeah and I'm, I'm really excited to see what's next as well for you yeah. yeah, I am too. And that Peter Band reunion as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, um, I think we'd all love to see yeah. that. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers.
from Jed Curzel's score to The Babadook, that's the end credit music rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the Australian Composer. My huge thanks to Jed for taking the time to talk to us. Brother Justin's true history of the Kelly Gang was out in cinemas, but of course with current events, we're very much hoping that it will hit the small screens imminently. Please do go and check it out. Head to edithbowman.com to check out my interview with Justin, which I can't believe is four years ago. God, time does indeed fly. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Soundtracking UK. And please do also subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm trying to uh, do a daily update stream for you of just recommendations of things that you can watch and uh, and having an open conversation with you. So do head to our Soundtracking YouTube channel to subscribe. Next up then, I'm very much hoping that between now and next week, I have the opportunity to speak to Warren Ellis, who's very kindly offered to chat to me uh, remotely. So I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company next week, along with Warren Ellis. In the meantime, take care. Take care.